<laughs> I know you guys can't see that. We were just mouthing three, two, one to start. Yeah, like as normal if, people. Yeah, as if mm-hmm. it matters when we start. Nope. We've been talking for a little bit, and now we have nothing to talk about for you guys. That's right. Sorry. So welcome. <laughs> welcome to... Welcome to nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this is our best start yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm Matt Kitchen. And I'm Father Eric. And this is... After After the the likeness. likeness. We really extended that one. Yes. (laughs) And we will be talking about today, finally, the lion, the witch, Mm -hmm. and the wardrobe. After one episode that didn't record. Third time's a charm. That's right. And another episode where we didn't even get to it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's okay. what we're going to talk about. We didn't, need, we didn't need to get to it. No, that's right. We're yeah. taking our time. We're taking season. our time. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we talk about what we want to talk about on this That's podcast. right. Exactly. Oh, and I just thought about what I'm going to talk about. So, Oh, but nice. What's been going on with you, Matt? Uh, nothing. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I mean, I've heard. <laughs> so, Matt is being a little reticent today. We received two pieces. First of all, actually, let me thank y'all listeners. Mm-hmm. We just looked and we have a whole bunch of five-star reviews woot, woot. on Apple Podcasts, which I'm very thankful for. Thank yeah. you guys so much for that. Thank y'all. Yes. And yeah. um, most of them, one of them had some uh, words. I think we that was our first uh, yeah. five-star review yeah. we got and we shared that. No one else has shared like a, you know, a written review mm-hmm. um, with their, you know, criticisms and questions, stuff like that. If you do want to uh, put a written review up, that's great too. And if you do put a question or anything else that is family friendly, we will mm-hmm. read it on uh, on the podcast as well. So thank you guys so much for listening and for, um, for giving us those reviews because it does sort of put us mm-hmm. out there more in those uh, podcast algorithms. So thank you. But yeah. That but was Father a, Eric has discovered today yes. that I don't handle criticism too well. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm a little uh, anti-anything. Uh, Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. If you tell me not to do something, it makes me want to do that more. Oh man, is mm-hmm. that isn't that just being human though? Because no, it's I feel being like a child. <laughs> I I was about to say I feel like I'm that way too. <clears throat> we are a podcast by children for children. That's right, exactly. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So we got some feedback today that we need to uh, cut it out with the check in, like just mm-hmm. really. Tighten it up, mm-hmm. shorten it up, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. Maybe we'll do that in the future, but I think this is going to backfire. Yeah, today. you guys I'm should sorry. never tell. Yeah, tell, <laughs> tell me how much you love it. I I can't control <laughs> Matt. You know, like I'm going to take you guys minute by minute mm-hmm. through the last week. Uh, excellent. Uh huh. Minute eight fifty nine p.m. <laughs> um, but so. What mm. what has been cool this week? What I mean, honestly, I really don't have that much to say. So this oh, really? person's okay, that's lucking cool. out this time. I know, yeah. It's not because you told us to. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but it will be shorter this time, but it's because we can't think of anything I'd to say, say. I'd say the highlight yeah. is uh, every the seven, so, so the 17th of every month, mm-hmm. or around it, I try. Okay. I take my daughter on a, a daddy-daughter date day. I didn't. Oh, no. You mentioned that before. That's on awesome. On here, have I? Okay, sweet. Maybe. Well, good. I, I don't know if it was we'll on We'll get here. to hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm think you did angry, it on here. <laughs> yeah, surly. 
<laughs> surly. That's okay. a good word. Makes me feel like big and like a Gaston when I hear Oh, surly. yeah. <laughs> That's Gaston from uh, Beauty and the Beast. The book of, I was about to say oh. sound music. Beauty and the Beast, yeah. <laughs> Not biblical. Okay. I think he was more uh, burly though. Burly and then surly. He was surly. What's he surly? was a surly like fella. A, like a big pirate or something. Surly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that. Okay. Very good. Anyways. <laughs> so on the 17th of every month. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a little, little day me and her get to hang out or, you know, That's time. Usually like hour Really two. cool. Yeah. We go. This time we, she, so she's weird. She loves this gas station across the street. Really? From her daycare. Uh-huh. She's like, do we get to go get ice cream over there? And I'm like, this is really oh, what you want? there's ice cream <laughs> yeah. there. But I mean, there's not, it's like a, you know, freezer. Right, right, right. In this neglected old gas station. <laughs> man. But man, she no does No accounting for, for taste. So, mm. yeah. That's awesome. So we got a, uh, a an Oreo ice cream cone oh, out of the freezer. Sweet. Took it to the library, and there's a park at the library, so we... Uh, That's awesome. We just hung out of the park and ate the melted cone, and she looked like a mess, and it was great. That's great. Libraries, I feel like, have really been upping their game Libraries since COVID. Libraries are dope. I've read yes. a lot of books lately since discovering yeah. the library again, and it's pretty awesome. Okay, here will be on. my check-in. Okay. Is um, I have received so many envelopes from the library they weren't mm-hmm. for me but i go get the mail and i bring it and i put it in the place where alex does something with it what do and they like, want from you uh well i was getting like two or three a day for a little while and i was like you know alex has been checking books out from the library Ooh. and they were from like the accounting office and i was like are, are all our books late and how <laughs> often are they gonna bug us for whatever the five dollar fee is um well i finally broached it to her i was like alex is everything okay? Is there a problem? Yeah. Is there? I mean, like, do we need to talk? Yeah. Are we going to have our library repossessed? Mm-hmm. Uh, our books repossessed? Uh, but it turns out that our in our library system here in Great San Antonio, Texas, when you put a book on hold mm-hmm. online through their app, which I do often, yes. which they do, and it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's yes. really good, and they and set them aside for you. Other libraries easy. to yours. It's cool. It's amazing. Uh-huh. It's an amazing system, um, but. When you do it with the app, they send you a um, physical letter in the mail what? to tell you that it's been placed on hold. What? They send you a physical letter in the mail when the book has been put in oh the God. hold area I and think, it's ready to I pick up. I think they don't have your then, email address. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I've she, never gotten anything in the mail She from the said <laughs> she's been trying. Maybe it's just our like local one that, that we're so. like in... Uh, in the system with she said she's tried to find like a paperless option but it's like basically three mailed letters for every individual wow. book that she puts on hold and gets and she puts almost all of them on hold before she goes to pick them up is your local library located in 1974 uh, possibly <laughs> possibly it's amazing this app is a time travel app well i can i can assuage your fears yeah. of the library because Okay, growing up, I'd go mm-hmm. to the library and like because I could ride my bike to it. It's yes. something I do, you know. Yeah. And so I check out books, and I would never turn them in. Mm-hmm. And I had like two hundred some dollars in fines at the library. It was nuts. That's great. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I paid it off or if they just forgot about it. But we're good now. But I feel like library I, debt. They're not. No. Nah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went back to the library, you know, a few months back. Yeah. Discovering it again with Ivy, and uh, they told me. They don't even have late fines anymore. The only what? time they fine you is if you lose the book for good. Oh, wow. And I was like, so then That's I had so a book. so much smarter. I know. I had a book on hold 
Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I have an overdue book. I probably can't pick it up because they won't let me check something out at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I have it. Yeah. And they're like, like, oh no, you can check it out as long as you don't have fines over $50. And I'm like, how many books do I have to have lost? Yeah. Before you don't let me check out another book. That's right. <laughs> don't That's worry insane. about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So That's now awesome. I'm just trying to lose books. That's yeah. <laughs> That's great. Cause I feel like a lot of those sort of checks and balances things were just really annoying. And I bet they figured out that they don't really yeah. get don't people yeah. to bring exactly. them back sooner or whatever mm-hmm. you know and so like that's that's awesome but so I kudos have, like, to the library for being ahead of the curve <laughs> yes on that edge mm-hmm. but also san antonio library i feel like you would save thousands of dollars a year if you don't mail, don't mail things it's weird don't mail things. Yeah. <laughs> just don't mail things ever again yeah like we have apps guys <laughs> i know i know yeah yeah huh Anything so, else speaking you, of books, yes, go on. Yes. Oh no, are you trying to move this? Along? I'm not trying. I'm oh doing. This gosh. is a segue, you, buddy. No, it isn't. You do it, not listen to these I'm people. I'm Joe Bluth, and I'm on a segue. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was a, that was a Arrested Development reference. Oh. Yeah. He rode around on a segue, but FYI, guys, this is the last time I'm explaining a reference. I'm just going to. I was throw thinking out there. of Paul Blart. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's much more updated. I don't know if actually. I saw that or not. Mm-hmm. Me either. Hmm. <laughs> probably for the best but yeah. before you before. try to take this carriage away sure. we have crumpets oh yes we do have crumpets. And i have to explain the Crumpet significance yeah. of this crumpetry mm-hmm. so i've got some bread yeah this, this is all from sable my it wonderful looks, wife it looks delicious so we got some bread it's a pumper it's a rye pumpernickel Rye. No, it's Pepperidge Farms. Rye what and Pumpernickel <laughs> Deli Swirl. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, cool. And that's the store. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have this bread. And I have this jar of what? delicious jelly. What? Oh, is that what that is? It I is thought it jelly. was honey. Okay. Okay. The significance of said jelly. Yes. There's a tree standing right out here. A, a mesquite tree. tree. Uh-huh. The mesquite tree makes mesquite beans sable took the beans from yeah. that tree yeah and made this jelly oh my god out of those beans out of the beans from the tree from outside that tree the beans that i poisoned as they lay on the no, those <laughs> <laughs> let's eat that's awesome no that's really you know what's really funny is elizabeth has been collecting all the mesquite beans there's a bunch around our uh-huh. property and she'll use them as little shakers uh-huh. and she told alex like we can make jelly out of this and alex was like what are you talking about you can't make jelly out of beans you stupid little girl no just kidding she didn't say that she may have this she is may. one of those things i put in there to yeah, check see to if see if listening. alex ever listens to a podcast because um okay but yeah so it's like so, that's but that's so awesome we really can make jelly out of mesquite beans i had no idea <laughs> yeah i had no idea that's it's awesome a, and it's good yeah. so i'm gonna serve you up some okay while well, you're we talking got about coffee, whatever we got crumpets. stupid thing these listeners want to hear about yeah. <laughs> that's not about me and you yes <sighs> He's real raw just, about it, guys. You just real raw. Just talk, man. Just yep. talk about this book. Or I will. I oh, will. Before, so speaking before of before you talk about books, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> you said earlier we're finally going to talk about this book and this book only. And I said nay, sir, because I, much to your liking, have mm-hmm. started reading, and by start I mean like five pages of good job, mere Christianity. Ooh, excellent. Which I've never excellent. read. Yes. So I'll let yep. you know how it goes. But, okay. Uh, I'm uh, you know. 
do like it. halfway through the prologue yeah, where yeah. he talks about all the things he's not going to talk about, which is actually pretty funny. But. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so preview, let's make uh make our little stump the priest segment at the end of each show when you have some random question that comes out from that, because I'm hey, sure there will be. All right. That'd be awesome. Okay, cool. Speaking of libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of libraries. Hey, welcome back to Speaking of Libraries. That should um, be a podcast. Actually. It should be. Um, <laughs> so we are talking about today, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And uh, by C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis. I wonder also if people known, can hear this loud bread moving. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> this is the sound of crumpetry. It is. Hey, so wait. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is look, what happens. Yeah. I'm never passing feedback look, on you, to you again. You listener, you did this. <laughs> so why are there no knives in this church? Oh, there are knives in Nuh-uh. this church. I opened the silverware drawer. Not one knife. No, we put them up high so I am the children using can't. a plastic spoon. Oh, so I couldn't reach it. That's right. <laughs> we hide them from those. I won't say children. Maybe just you should have anyone told me that when I said. Immature to, <laughs> when I said, I need a knife. Yeah, I, I didn't. That I think I'm pro- I, I actually don't know. <laughs> so about this book. Okay. Yeah. So about this book, "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe" by C.S. Lewis, um, is uh, uh, as we left off last week, we were talking about the way in which the reason why I talk about C.S. Lewis so much. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, J.R.L. Tolkien. We talked a little bit about um, J.K. Rowling and a bunch of other people with initials instead of names uh, who are carry on something um, that's really unique to our tradition of Christianity, <laughs> which is um, articulating, sort of trying to take the story of the gospel, Christian principles, Christian doctrines, and like really integrating them into fiction. And especially children's fiction or fantasy fiction, but fiction in general. Um, and so C.S. Lewis, as we talked about last time, and Tolkien, and then uh, Madeline Langle in America, and J.K. Rowling very intentionally afterwards, and as they were following in the tradition of um, G.K. Chesterton and George MacDonald before them, um, that C.S. Lewis very intentionally does this and is doing this with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the whole Chronicles of Narnia. Now, one of the cool things... Oh, thank you very much. Got some mesquite bread over here. Crump. Um, One of the really cool things about... um, Let me try it. (laughs) Mm, Mmm, that's delicious. You didn't even try it yet, man. I did, I just ate it. That was just... That was a premature compliment. Yeah. I like it. Really really taste the poison. Um... So, <laughs> the, uh, oh, there's the jelly. Okay. Yeah. So, the, uh, um, what, now what was I saying? This jelly. I don't know. Something about Chesterton. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is, of course, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is famous the world over. It is very well known as being quite literally like the story of Jesus, right? It's a delightful sable for the record. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is delicious sable. Thank you. Um, so like, you know, we'll go through the plot of it now and mm-hmm. you can, but you can see an adult reading it. 
can very much see like, okay, Aslan is Jesus and like, uh, you know, he yeah. dies, he's resurrected and like he brings others back to life, like all this kind of stuff. There's a great battle between him and the evil one, all this stuff. But one thing people often don't give credit for is like just how deep um, of a teaching C.S. Lewis is trying to do. Uh, we think of C.S. Lewis as a great apologist writing books like Mere Christianity, like that you're reading, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and other books about like social commentary, theology, pastoral things. He writes beautiful books, sort of just reflections on the Christian life that aren't intellectual. He writes books on prayer, all this kind of stuff. And that all kind of goes in there. And there's some really deep theology in the book, but... What he's trying to introduce people is even more than just sort of quote unquote Christian stuff. As I said last time, like he and Tolkien very much intentionally wrote about and talked about and thought about the way in which fiction sort of prepares our mind in patterns for things we don't yet understand in like intellectual intellectually and Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they really thought of he really did want to prepare the minds of kids to understand kind of on their level what encountering jesus might be like and what it might have been like for the disciples to be with jesus as he gave his life for them and the surprise of the resurrection all that kind of stuff but he also was really big on uh like for him uh, you know, the truths that Christianity really preserved and a Christian worldview preserved wasn't just the story of Jesus. It's also the story of, or it's also the reality of a spiritual realm, a spiritual reality, not uh, not just God and Jesus, but like angels and demons and like even like fairy tale creatures and stuff like that, uh, which he and Tolkien and other people who studied and thought a lot about fairy stories. He also wanted to preserve that in what he saw was a culture that was really had really more so in his day, even than ours had really doubled down on what, what you would call in philosophy materialism. So not Mm -hmm. materialism, like Madonna, like you were living in a material world. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Were you just playing Madonna right there? Oh, sorry. I'm just uh, trying to look at a synopsis of the book. and Oh, okay. Now I've got ads and they won't go away. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay, gone. Good. But so, but not, uh, not materialism like being super into shopping or whatever. Thank you. There yeah. we go. There it is. Um, Took me a sec, but I got But there. a materialistic worldview in like thinking that the things you can see, touch, taste, and feel are the basis of reality. And so like... It's not necessarily that all materialists reject the idea of a spiritual realm or even a soul, but most of them in his day were what were called reductive physicalists. So everything, like the soul, the mind, the experience of things, could all be reduced to your body, your brain, right? You only think you have a mind, or maybe you really do have a mind and a soul, but it's all sort of arises out of the body, the it's everything can be reduced to the physical reductive physicalist, right? Mm-hmm. So like 
But he, when he wanted to be uh, proclaim sort of Christianity and a Christian worldview, he knew that it wasn't good enough. Like many sort of uh, Christians, especially like more evangelical Protestant Christian sects, would say like, "Okay, well, it's really important that you have a relationship with Jesus." And does every Christian agree with that? Uh, yeah, because that's the whole thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but. They uh, were, there were a lot of Christian sects, including in our own like Anglican tradition, like sort of a lot of the dominant intellectuals in the Anglican tradition, or at least the dominant hierarchy of the, of, in England, very much was willing to sort of reject sort of a full spirit, an idea of a full spiritual realm as like, oh, that's too scary. People will think it's not rational. Like we have to agree like, yes, we just live in a material world and blah, blah, blah. But God created it and God loves us. And, you know, they had a very uh, pared down uh, vision of what Christianity was. It's sort of here we are in our reductive physicalist reality but god created it for a purpose and then god came into it but you know angels and miracles and like all that stuff oh don't worry about it sort of like do you ever did you ever hear about like thomas jefferson's bible like nope. thomas jefferson he was an episcopalian uh didn't go to church very what? often but he was also a deist so yeah, like that's what this, i've always heard that's what well they're deist. they're not incompatible uh de- deism was very popular among sort of intellectual members of the church of England. Mm. It was, it's kind of our heresy, which is basically like God made everything. And they just took a back seat and watched. That's right. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. And most importantly, God doesn't intervene. He's like, mm-hmm. he is like, they thought of the universe as a watch that he wound up oh. and then he let it go. And it just goes on its own, you know, by according to the physical laws that he created. And they very much believed very firmly in a creator God, but they believed he was wholly absent from creation and wouldn't interfere with anything. So it's very convenient. I feel like I'm like, uh, you know, halfway. (laughs) Well, I don't think God steps in at every moment, but mm -hmm. I also don't think he's just like, eh, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. And like, we know that God doesn't, uh, directly intervene all the time because Mm -hmm. God leaves room for our free will. And he's calling Uh, us to good point. Like when he creates us, he creates us to be his actors in the world. Mm -hmm. But that said, uh, classical Christianity would say, God isn't far away from anything at all. And he, even the existence of the world and the existence of the spiritual law, or I'm sorry, the physical laws and the fact that things go according to that order, that's not something that God did a long time ago and set loose forward in time. That's something that takes God's active sustaining will to do. So God, like, you know, like without God's literal active intervention, active desire and will, any every atom or even every tiny little electron would just cease to exist. It's like uh, God is, they call it ipsum esse subsistence. So like the very active of, of to be itself. And so everything that exists, exists because God is existing them, you know? Mm. Okay. Anyway, point is though, <laughs> hmm. Thomas Jefferson and most of the deists back in the enlightenment era yeah. loved that because what did that mean? Well, it meant we are on our own. Ah. We know we get to figure mm-hmm. out our own destiny and we get to, you know, like just arrange things down here as we like, God, you stay up in heaven. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. Hopefully we'll do a good job. <laughs> but what CS Lewis realized was like, Christianity does not work with that. He was a classicist. So he read 
the classics of Greek and Roman literature. He read, which exposes you to a lot of different cultures, including, you know, like early Christian culture. And he could read, and he was uh, very much a student of medieval Christianity as well. And he realized one, not just Christianity, but every culture that has ever existed, every human culture has acknowledged and understood something about spiritual realities, right? Like the fact that the material realm is not the end-all be-all. In fact, it's usually considered sort of the lowest realm. So like he talks in, I think maybe even mere Christianity or in other places, maybe the great divorce, when he talks about like, you know, like why do when like, people have weird spiritual experiences. Like they see a ghost or they see an angel or something like that. It's like to us, those th creatures and things seem ethereal. Like they walk through a wall or something like that. But the reason why that is, and because of that, we might think they're like, you know, they're like sort of like denatured matter, you know, like they're less than, but the reason why they do that. Yeah. Is because, um, Got him. That was a mosquito from Got a Don't mosquito. Worry. Sorry. Everyone calm. <laughs> uh, is because to, to spiritual entities, right? The material realm is like to dust. It's like shadows. Mm. And so it's like um, he thought of like God then. There's sort of this uh, ch not chain of being, although he might have used that phrase. But like the higher you go up the spiritual reality thing, the more real things are. So God obviously is at the top of that. In fact, is the source of all of it all the way down. And so like sometimes we think about God as like he would say, you know, like people think about God as this like dispersed gas throughout. You know, it's like sort of everywhere, <laughs> right. but it doesn't do any like it's like just the air we breathe. It would just true in a sense yeah. but like when we use that kind of imagery it makes it seem meaningless right it's right. here it's there it's everywhere who cares um but for him like god is like the hardest most real most finest point mm -hmm. uh that exists like anything that would touch it would break upon it it's so uh so hard and firm and real it's like the factness of facts itself you know like mm -hmm. so anyway that all that is to say, <laughs> he wants to, when we look at Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's cool because it's not just him being like, well, here's Jesus and here's the disciples. It's like, no. <laughs> he wants to bring in uh, the readers into a world in which their imagination is opened up, in which they're exposed to like like Greek myths, like mm -hmm. dryads and naiads and like uh, fawns and satyrs and Bacchus is there. Centaurs. Yeah. And he brings in giants. Santa Claus, mm -hmm. giants. Yeah. All mm -hmm. this stuff, all the classic fairy tale stuff. Cause that's something he wants to keep alive, but it's not just because it's a cultural artifact. He wants to keep alive. He really believed, and I would agree with him. And so did Tolkien. Um, like those kinds of, both the fairy stories, which might be fictional and weird experiences people have like of like fairies or in these days it might be UFOs or whatever it is like those really strange events that like pop into our experience as humans. One, they have always happened and they actually are 
a reality, not always a good reality, but a reality that's entering into our world. And so he believed that like nursery rhymes and nursery stories had preserved something important, not just about God and faith, which often they do, but also about just the nature of reality itself. And so uh, he also thought that like Narnia, and I can't remember if we, I remember we said this on the Lost episode, but like... (laughs) Narnia itself came from a dream in which he like had a he fell asleep he had a dream and he saw the fawn with the packages and I think the, we talked about yeah, it. yeah maybe so Mr. Or Thomas, maybe it was the lost that's right <laughs> and so like for him Narnia is a real place that he was exploring and discovering himself not a real place in terms of like oh there's an alternate dimension and there's right. a line you know but like the way he thought about it the stories that we tell the me the myths not in the sense of like a not true story but a story that reaches beyond what what is sensible to touch a spiritual reality and describe mm-hmm. it to us that that basically narnia for him was touching on realities and so um and and again like i said tolkien too thought about this uh, or thought of this of of middle earth as well which he was much more sort of like he wrote for different reasons and in a different, very different style. But he said as well, like I didn't invent middle earth. I discovered middle earth, you know, like boom. Yeah. So, (laughs) so that's the first thing is like, he really is like, he's trying to flesh out what he sees and, and what I would see too, as like, he's trying to introduce people to higher things Mm -hmm. um, in general. And the cool thing is much like uh, his space trilogy, which is like space fantasy, but in a Christian universe, he's asking questions there. Like what would it like to go to another planet if it was not fallen? Like what if we were the only fallen planet and we met unfallen (laughs) alien creatures? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, And so similarly, he's asking the question in Narnia, uh, what, what would Jesus do in (laughs) other worlds? Right. Cause he believes like there are all these different spiritual worlds and dimensions. Like what would Jesus be like in that place? Cause Jesus is God. God isn't just the God of our world or our material plane. It's God of everything. So what's that like? Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. You want to talk about the book? I do. (laughs) So, but that's what makes Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch and the Lord so cool Mm -hmm. is it's not, it's a children's book, hardcore children's book, all day and night. Mm-hmm. But it is biting off, as I just bit off a piece of bread. <laughs> Man. It is biting off some like Timely. <laughs> cool stuff beyond just like, oh, well, here's some Christian doctrine. Because sometimes people today will read it and they'll be like, oh, it's just like him stuffing some like dry Christian doctrine yeah. <laughs> into this cool story that I right. like for some reason. No, it's more than that. It's Christian doctrine. It's like, it's like ancient pagan, like pl- uh, Platonist, like understandings of, of uh, again, baptized, you know, they're, it's still Christian, but it's like, he's trying to bring the, back the worldview that most humans have had for most of time. And he thought of our society as being principally the thing that we are missing mm-hmm. in our way of thinking about life is an understanding of spiritual realities of non-physical realities. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's so talk about it. Let's here's, go, go through. here's what I want to do. Okay. So like when I have a 45 minute conversation with my sister or something, yeah. my wife will say, Hey, what'd mm-hmm. y'all talk about? And I'm like, 
Uh, nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Back to the Future and then some commercials that we yeah. remember from when we were kids. It was like, I, I never have all the details. So I'm going to explain Narnia, the uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe in that same fashion. Okay, I'm going to give a whole synopsis of the book. Okay. You tell me if I'm forgetting anything key. Sure. You ready? Yep. Okay. Do it. There's four kids. What's their last name? I always forget. Peevenzies. Peevenzies. Yeah. There's Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. That's right. Lucy goes into this wardrobe to play in hide and seek. Well, I should guess I should say that they they get shipped off to this old professor's house. Who is yes. kind of C.S. Lewis? No, kind of Tolkien. No, he's Tolkien, Tolkien right? Yeah, that's okay. right. Mm-hmm. So they get shipped C.S. off to this Lewis guy's house. Treebeard in <laughs> that's in weird Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they get shipped off to this house. There's this wardrobe in it to play in hide and seek. She uh, disappears and back into it. She finds this fawn named Tumnus. Tumnus is like, hey, how's it going? Want to come hang out with me? And she's like, sure, stranger. Mm-hmm. And so they go hang out. And then he starts crying. He's like, oh, I was going to have you murdered. And she's oh. like, oh, that's fine. You're probably nice anyway. And then nothing makes sense. And then so she goes back because he lets her go back for whatever reason. Because I guess he is nice. I don't know. And so she- <laughs> it's because of shame. Shame. Well, like, we'll get there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> So she goes back out. She tells her her uh, no time has passed, by the way, when she gets back out of this wardrobe and she mm-hmm. tells her siblings, hey, I found this cool place in the wardrobe. And they're like, what? Yeah. And they go, look, there's nothing there. Well, some days pass. She goes back in. Edmund follows her this time, but he can't find her. Instead, he finds this white witch. White witch is like, what's up, dude? And and he's like, I don't know. I'm just here. And she's like, oh, my gosh, are you a human? He's like, yeah, I'm a human. And she's like, that's cool. Come on up here, and I'll give you some Turkish delights, which may or may not be delicious. I don't know. Never had them. And there's no so, turkey in it. <laughs> not Turkish at all. <laughs> <laughs> so he hops up on her sled, and then she, all of a sudden she's like, hey, why don't yeah. you go on back? And then come back with all these siblings you talked about. Cause mm-hmm. uh, we need four of them here. And there's like some prophecies that I'm not going to tell you about that uh, are yep. going to be fulfilled if they come back. And uh, I want to murder all of you, but she doesn't say she that. Doesn't to say him. Part. Yeah, yeah. She's just like, come on back and get some more Turkish delights. And he's like, sweet dude. So he leaves and uh, he goes back and then he tells the siblings, no, there's no Narnia. And Lucy's like, what the heck dude? I just saw you in Narnia with me. And he's so she's jerk. super mad at him and he doesn't care cause he's a jerk. And mm-hmm. so then, they all end up in Narnia. Why did they? They were looking for it again? I don't remember. They were running away from Mrs. McCready, That's who was right. the, housekeeper, the housekeeper. And she was giving a tour uh-huh. of this old house. And they were like, oh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> oh, let's hide in this wardrobe that we know isn't magic because uh-huh. Edmund said it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then they end up mm-hmm. in Narnia. Yeah. So they get back in there. <laughs> and they, uh, let's see, they're, they're walking through. And then this beaver like calls out to me. He's like, hey, dude over here and they're like what and they don't see anything and he's like over here and they're like what and then mm-hmm. they finally find him in the trees and he's like hey i'm a beaver and they're like that's normal and so <laughs> they don't follow him back to his house because these kids just don't care they'll follow anyone to anyone's house yes which is wild <laughs> they have like no training of being a child and not talking to strangers <laughs> so they go to this house and then mrs beaver is there too she makes them some food and they're like this is cool delicious oh, uh-huh and all of a sudden they look and they're like wait where's edmund because edmund is the worst He's disappeared and like, ah, oh, now I got to go find this dumb kid. So he they does get not up. come off well. In this story. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they leave, they go searching for Edmund. They have to cross the snow, which starts to melt. And they're like, what's going on? And they hear about this dude, Aslan. And like, what's this Aslan guy? And like, not guy. I think it's Aslan. Lion. I'm Aslan? Yeah. Aslan? Aslan. I don't I know, think. dude. I think. It's Liam Neeson. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> and so, so they're Aslan. Mm-hmm. That sounds not Canadian. Or you can British. say it how you want. Say doesn't it how sound, you want. It doesn't sound British either. Yeah. As as Lon. Aslan. 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 
Okay, anyways. That's how I read it to Ivy, all right? Yeah. <laughs> then that's what it is for her. <laughs> so they're like, you know where Edmund went? He probably went to the stone table. And they're like, what's well, a stone table? Mm-hmm. And so they go to check it out. And Aslan's, Aslan's there. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hey, I'm a big scary lion, but I'm awesome. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You probably won't bite me. And they pat him. And he's like, this is cool. Right. And so, <laughs> again, these kids, no boundaries. And so then uh, the witch comes and she's like, She's like, hey, I've got Edmund. And they're like, you do? And she's like, yeah. If you want him back, you can't have him. And Aslan's like, let me talk to her. And he goes and talks to the witch. And he's like, give me that key. And she's like, nah. And, she, and he's like, you can take me instead. And she's like, she's like, mm, okay. <laughs> but Fair enough. But they don't tell they the don't, kids We that. don't hear that. All of a sudden, yeah. Edmund comes back. Yes. And they're like, sweet. Good job, Aslan. And he's like, thanks, dude. And so he, he goes off. And uh, and then later that night, yeah. they're sleeping. And Susan and Lucy, they wake up. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I hear noises. Look, Aslan's on the move. So they go and they follow him again, just following random people. And they go along. And uh, he goes to the stone table. And the witch and all these crazy, fantastical creatures that are yeah. with her who are all mean and evil. They're terrible. And uh, by the way, this lady stones, turns people into stone. And also, Tumnus has disappeared in this time, who is yes. seemingly also kidnapped That's by right. uh, the witch as well. So they uh, go up on the stone table. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, they're like, well, since you got the kid back, now you must die. And so yeah. they shave Aslan and they... And they do it Aslan. <laughs> there we go. And uh, they, you know, beat him or whatever they do to him. And then they finally, she mm. drives a stake into his heart or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, by the way, one thing I didn't mention is along the journey for these kids, they meet Santa Claus, which is yeah, Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Yep. Yeah. And he gives them gifts. I know. It's awesome. He gives Peter a sword and a yeah. shield. He gives Susan a bow and arrow. A real one. A real one. She and a horn. Edmund's not there, help. so he doesn't get Jack. And he never gets the mm-hmm. gift. Yep. Sucker. And then Lucy gets some little potion that heals people. That's right. And so that might come into play later. Wink, wink. Yes. And so <laughs> so uh, it's basically everything you really wish Santa had actually right. did, like when Seriously. you were little. Yes. <laughs> but I'm oh, sorry. So Alison's dead. Yeah. Or yes. is he? And so they're. He's dead. Yeah, he's definitely dead. <laughs> and so they're petting the dead lion and. Crying. Then, uh, yeah, and crying and stuff. And then they leave? No. Or do they stay there? They stay there. The sun rises. The sun rises. And the mice uh, uh, chew, yeah, chew off his the bonds. the mice chew off all the uh, things. The rope together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, he's just like, no. The snow, Does it then, come back then? Yeah. No, the stone Then melts. the stone table cracks. Oh, they hear it. Ah. And they turn around and like, Sim- there's Aslan like, hey! Yeah, and he's like, dude, I'm back. He's and they're so like, happy. what about magic? Yeah. And he's like, boom, deeper magic. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then they're like, let's all assemble everybody and let's go murder this witch. Yeah. And so they go and they attack everybody and they take the castle back. And and uh, who is it? Well, uh, actually, for, so, so first they go to the castle. Yes. But the witch isn't there because Peter has attacked uh-huh. the witch as she was going back. So they're in this terrible battle and they don't know where Aslan is, whatever. He starts freeing all but the stone people, right? Yeah, they go directly to the mm. witch's castle where all the people she's turned to stone are. Yeah. And bre- and as he breathes on them, they Ooh, turn, come back to life. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they like they go and they reinforce Peter yeah. right when he's about to lose basically. And Edmund breaks the wand. That's of right. The witch. Yes. He finally does something noble. Redemptive. And then does Aslan jump on her? Is that what happens? No. Yeah. Aslan yeah. kills her. Aslan kills her. Okay. Bites her head off 
I think literally. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty rowdy. I remember yeah. reading that part to Ivan and be like, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's cool. I've just embraced that like yeah. for little kids, like you can talk about death and stories. It's like, and then the witch ate the little children. It's like, oh. <laughs> so then the kids uh, get to take over their rightful place, apparently, as kings and queens of Narnia and the four yeah. thrones on Care Paravel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then they go back through the wardrobe. No well, time is no. I think it's super old, right? They yeah, like, they live they're like in their, their entire. They're mm-hmm. like grown. Yeah, and then they're like hun- they've forgotten where they came from. Yeah, and then they're hunting a stag, mm-hmm. and they like are like, oh, went into that thicket by that lamppost that looks so familiar. <laughs> oh, the lamppost, and then they're like, what? Oh, we're kids in the wardrobe. What's <laughs> yeah. happening? But yeah. they've lived like entire lives as yes. they come back out, but no time has passed. That's right. Which is wild. It is wild. And I guess that's where it ends, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I think we nailed that. Yep. yep. <laughs> nailed Anyways, it. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so let's go back. Yeah. It starts off, and uh, she meets Tumnus. Yes. And is there any significance to this whole part? Like, as yeah. as Christians, as humanity, as anything? Yeah, so, I mean, like, mm-hmm. so... First off, there's four Peevensy's children. Yes. And like they are in a weird situation. It's happening during the Blitz in England in World War II. So like they lived in London, but they've been sent away as thousands of kids were. And this is like just a really cool setup for any kind of story. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, so they're in this old professor's house out in the country away from the bombs. And uh, they. bombs. That's right. They kind (laughs) of. That there were literally singing that song, um, but they think they've caught like a great gig because it's this huge old house with like a suit of armor and yeah. like there's an old professor who does not care. No, he's what they like do. Absentee yeah. man. That's right. <laughs> Mrs. McCready, the housekeeper, is kind of hard nosed, but as long as they stay out of her way, they can do whatever they want. Um, so this is like an exciting setup for a kid. For a kid reading, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, whoa, that would be so cool. Yeah. Nope, mom and dad are far yeah, away. Yeah, do a hangout on her own. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> never mind they're in mortal danger, but that's okay. Um, and like, uh, so so they're set to have some fun. Uh, so first thing is, uh, nothing is what it seems in the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. I want to just set up too, like, as he wrote seven books, he wrote each one according to the Again, medieval, celestial, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, according to the spiritual, like, sort of uh, temperament of one of the seven planets. And so, um, what's this one? This one's Jupiter. War. Yeah. Well, no, Jupiter, Mars is war. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, really so, close, though. I'm so bad. Really at close. That. Literally, Mars is close to Jupiter. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right next to it. MJ. Uh, asteroid belt. Um, <laughs> But like, okay, so, but Jupiter, so like one of the th- themes of Jupiter is spring. So like a winter melting into spring. Yeah. Jupiter's like super fun party energy, basically. Mm-hmm. Ah, nice. Um, and so, uh, and king, like the returning king, stuff like that, like Aslan, not to mention them being enthroned. Mm-hmm. And also Father Christmas is a very like yeah. gift giving sort of Jupiterian big party time. Christmas is big. Big Which Jupiter. is also significant because yeah. the thing Tumnus says is it's always winter but never Christmas. That's here. right. And exactly. then all of a sudden, here comes mm-hmm. Father Christmas, like jingling here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's awesome. So he he's put all of this stuff, like I said, it's not just the Christian stuff, but also the fact that there's four kids there and what, there's like Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. What I've always seen in it 
um, in all the stories with all four of them, and especially this first one, is an allegory to the parts of the soul. So, like, Peter is, like, he's sort of like, well, you said you didn't watch uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a Gryffindor. <laughs> he's fiery. He's He, like, represents sort of, like, the Leo energy or the fire energy, mm. the highest part of the soul that is spirit that like makes decisions. It's action oriented. And so he's very noble. He's interested in truth. He does not like it when Edmund's lying. Mm. He's interested in good behavior, but he's not super smart. Um, like, but Fair he enough. is like good yeah. and brave. That's his thing. He's always putting Edmund in his place. It's that's good. right. Yeah. I, I that's enjoyed right. that part. He, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So he's, and then the next part of the soul, uh, one level down, is water, mm. is the watery part of the soul. Water is like emotions and it's connection and uh, uh, it's it's more feminine. And that's Susan right there. She's kind she, of a motherly yeah, figure. She very much is. And mm. she's also trying to be her mother sometimes yeah. inappropriately. Uh, and the other ones are like, you're not her mom. Uh, <laughs> but she wants to be that, right? She wants to hold them together. And sometimes she's just like, she doesn't even care. Like, the glue. If like they're lost in the woods, she's just like, I just want to make sure everyone's okay. You know, like that's, that's Susan's energy right there. After that comes the air part. Um, air is like mind. Uh, it's thought. Air is fast, all that kind of stuff. Edmund is that one. Edmund's the mm. thinker. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who like, he can think through things. He can step back to things. He thinks rationally. Uh, he can help Peter make better decisions when they're on good terms. He's also the one, though, that falls, right? Right. And this is this is part of, uh, um, it's our intellect uh, for C.S. Lewis. Um, our intellect is the easiest thing, at least in our day and age, to be sort of seduced away mm. by the pleasures of the world. Uh, our intellect, we can, um, we can, as human beings, we have a powerful intellect and a, uh, we can be really good at analyzing situations and making decisions. But our intellect often deceives us, right? Like we don't look at things nearly as objectively as we think we do. So like um, we'll get to that when he meets the queen. But so that's sort of Edmund. And then Lucy is very much sort of earth energy. Um, So fire, water, air, earth. These are the four primal elements. And so in sort of medieval thought and ancient thought, um, people you know, the human beings were seen to have sort of these qualities as well. These qualities of our soul. Earth is like our just physicalness. Um, the body was seen these as kids together part of the soul. Our captain planet. That's right. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> they just need a Boom. heart. <laughs> Earth. Wind. Fire. Hot. Hot. <laughs> Um, oh, and what? so Captain Plan's kind of Aslan who wants to bring them <laughs> together, oh, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so um, so in any case, she is truthful, but and she's like, she's not super complicated, you know? Like, I mean, that's very sort of earthy energy, just is what it mm-hmm. is. And she's not only, and the, the reason I, I think that, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis is doing this intentionally, so many times he comments, like uh, when Lucy says she went to um, uh, Narnia with Edmund mm-hmm. and Edmund's lying about it because he's heir. So he's like, you know, like you can just says whatever he wants, makes up whatever he wants to do what he thinks, what he's rationally trying to accomplish. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to tell the truth no matter what. Uh, but they're telling the professor about this, Peter and Susan are. And he's like, which one is usually more honest? And they're like, well, 
<laughs> Usually it would be Lucy every time because right. Edmund just, you know, like he says whatever words are necessary to accomplish what he wants, you know, which is the the fault of uh, the flaw in our intellect. Um, and so, so they all sort of correspond to these archetypes. Um, but so she uh, is playing hide and seek. She goes into this other world. One thing is that he's saying is just like he's part of this and Narnia was the first book. I don't know if he planned all seven books in the beginning, uh, but certainly like Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, you can read just as a standalone book. And a lot of people do. But like, uh, I think one of the things he's getting across is like he really loved, like I said, fairy stories, fairy tales and uh, studied them. And so part of it is like, he wanted to introduce a world of normalcy and then all of a sudden like into the into the fairy realm, into the realm of fawns and centaurs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And part of that is showing uh, like the fact that it's a wardrobe and she like goes through the coats and it goes into trees. Um, part of that, what he's saying is uh, talking about there, showing, demonstrating is just how close the unusual is to the usual, right? Ah. The spiritual is to the material. So like, again, not the vision of like spiritual things being far away and removed from everyday life. He's trying to introduce to the children reading it and to us, like this concept, like around any corner is like adventure, mystery, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Kids aren't into that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes and she meets this fawn and it's awesome. And actually there are rules to the fairy realms that Tolkien calls them the perilous realms. They're dangerous, right? You could die. There's witches who turn people to stone, all that stuff. Right. And you're not really supposed to go around just trusting people. You like, you notice like they just follow people (laughs) to houses. Um, and, but she does. And lo and behold, that fawn was going to trick her and turn her away, but she's so pure of heart. Mm -hmm. He feels terrible and he mm-hmm. looks at the picture of his dad on the wall and he's like, my dad mm-hmm. would never have, you know, done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he leads her back uh, to to back so that she can get back to the wardrobe. Interestingly, on his little bookshelf, when he's yeah. he, when he so he invites her to his cave and he like entertains her, makes tea and like crumpets and uh, sardines, for which are delicacy for some reason. Um, <laughs> But like all this good food, and it's very a warm, picturesque uh, yeah, for sure. thing. And which C.S. Lewis also really loved, really putting the details of like warm, comfortable friendship and family scenes in there mm. to really root, um, like uh, it, what is uh, to really root in like what is comfortable, not just for kids, but like for all humans, right? Yeah, J.R. Um, J. Sorry. J.K. Rowling. That one. There's too many, <laughs> too many letters. J.K. Rowling also does this in like the uh, the uh, Harry, Harry Potter, Potter books, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it's. I think for her too, it's done very much on purpose, where it's like remembering the like little creature comfort, like our physical humanity, the yeah. simple things in life are actually what root us to the most important things. You know, we can take Mm -hmm. for granted so much like tea with a friend or a nice warm fire in the winter, which, you know, that doesn't happen in Texas, but you know, (laughs) uh, nice, cool air conditioning in the summer. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is. But like, 
that is what makes the world go round, you know, like, yeah. and it's that that sustains the kids too, uh, as they're on their little adventure. Um, so, um, so basically, yeah. So, so for, uh, for the record, I yeah. watched the movie more recently than I read the book. Yeah. And I really actually feel like it. I mean, there wasn't hardly any difference. No, they did, did a pretty good job. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if it was just me, but I was like, I don't feel like I missed yeah, you know, there's like a couple added things and a couple missing. Like there's no mm-hmm. giant in the movie. Maybe it was too much budget. I'm, there had to have been a giant. <laughs> that it? giant's important. It stood his like Mr. Humbledinker or whatever. Yeah, Humbledinker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he wasn't in it. That part stood out to me. That was like the only real thing. That's that I was too like, bad because huh. the giant's awesome. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, yeah. he's really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, so um, mm-hmm. so one of the cool things about Tumnus's cave. Yeah nice and warm and comfy and he has a bunch of books on his wall and they're like books about like humans man or myth or whatever you know like they're like books that a normal person here not maybe not normal would have about like elves and ufos (laughs) and stuff like that like these (laughs) mysterious things but all about humans and it's clear that like tumnus and people in his world think about humans the way we think about fawns as these mythical creatures and he's so like pumped to meet one and again yeah, here he's awesome. world building yeah where he's saying like <laughs> imagining um but like uh you know we don't know the the breadth of of the creative power of god right god could have created parallel universes and they could even overlap sometimes or spiritual realities that express mm-hmm. themselves and like we experience them as weird fawns or whatever you know yeah. like i mean there's no Bigfoot. reason he couldn't we don't have. know yeah <laughs> that's right <clears throat> and like uh, kind of like a life on other planets if you want to go down exactly that rabbit hole. that's right you know that's who right. knows right it's that's not right out of the realm of possibility no just, no exactly and it's a perfect space for our realm of possibility yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect space for like sort uh-huh. of creatively exploring these questions that get a that help us get a better view of who who Jesus is and God is and all that stuff in our own reality. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so she goes back. Edmund follows her in the next time we remember. Edmund, um, excuse me, Edmund. Um, Sorry, we're communicating. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Edmund, as you said, he meets the witch uh-huh. right off the bat. And uh, he, he gets seduced into mm-hmm. um like me food yeah by food and <laughs> the and pride yeah, right pride, like because yeah. he's he's always feels picked on by everyone else mm-hmm. but legitimately he is sort of like no, the most the worst yeah. yeah that's right like apparently it's alluded that he's sometimes a bully to mm-hmm. people who are weaker than him at school um we and, started the next book so i'm looking forward to seeing him not as a little jerk since yeah. you say he's not so i'm <laughs> well redeemed edmund is awesome yeah that's you know what, like that's when we get said. to the end of this I'll book believe it when i read it he's the one who like figures out because he's the smart one right once he's aligned with the pro- with goodness uh-huh. he's the one who figures out like why are we i shouldn't be attacking the queen I just need to get her wand. It's her wand. Like, you yeah. know, like, Smart so instead boy. of trying to, yeah. like, all, everyone else is trying to kill her, but he's just like, I just got to break her wand yeah, and then like we'll the win. the one thing that's turning everyone to stone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, he's awesome eventually, but he's not awesome at first. He lo- he gets tricked into eating magic food, which there too, that's an old trope. It's like, <laughs> look, if you hang out with fairies, that's cool. But if they offer you food, do not eat it. You know, like there's like a whole, uh, you're like, you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. in the perilous realms. You need to be more suspicious. And so, uh, uh, this is a lesson that C.S. Lewis is teaching. Um, but not just for in case you you know go into another into the fairy realm. But literally, this is good lessons for life, right? Noted. It's like the perilous realm is also growing up and going out into the world and realizing like not every adult cares about you the way your parents do, and some mm. of them might be dangerous. You know, mm. like um, so. Uh, but the the queen tricks him, makes him think that like he's going to be king of Narnia and he needs to bring his brothers and sisters. And, uh, there's a prophecy that he doesn't know about, about, Mm. you know, her time will be ended when four sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, Mm. which is what they're called there. Um, humans, humans, as we would say. Uh, but again, hooking into sort of the Christian worldview, which is like, he's, this is the cool thing too, about, um, about like the space trilogy where it's like you see from outside of human culture outside of like what it would look like for people to to see our reality through our christian story you know mm-hmm. like it's, it's kind of cool anyway it is but um <laughs> <laughs> but so uh uh he basically goes back and he's supposed to bring his brothers and sisters back but he really doesn't want to because the pride the pride overwhelms him he like he doesn't for whatever reason doesn't really believe that like he's gonna um he's gonna be in charge of them or whatever it is and so uh so he just lies and says that he wasn't in narnia now he meets you know um he meets uh uh, lucy on the way back out so she knows he was there yeah but he goes back and basically just to be spiteful to her yeah is just like Some no chump, she's just man. making stuff up again <laughs> and so like there too you start to see like friggin kid that's sin crashing in on itself and working against itself you know what i mean like um mm-hmm. he's actually ha- like he could have probably right then made up a story like yes i went to narnia and oh my gosh we should all go back right now and led them like sheep to the slaughter to (laughs) to the white witch and then the story would be over and it would be terrible just be winter forever and never christmas (laughs) (laughs) but like he doesn't why not because he's good or because he reconsidered but because of a petty sin of spitefulness just to be a little chump (laughs) yeah trips him up trips him up so like um so yeah, so so that um, uh, uh, is basically uh, where they leave off, and when they go, uh, Peter and Susan get worried, and they're talking to the professor about this. Now we don't realize until later in the series the professor's been to Narnia before, yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool. But he's also a professor who's like intellectual, and he mentions a few times, like um, when they're like, "Well, you know, Lucy's more trustworthy usually." than Edmund would be, but like her story's so crazy. And he's like, why do you say it's crazy? Yeah. Right. And they're like, well, it's, you know, another world and fawns. And he's like, what the heck do you guys know? (laughs) Right. Like, and which is a good point. It's like, what do we know about reality? And they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't know. And 
the professor like shakes his head and says, "What do they teach in schools these days?" <laughs> pretty, it's all in Plato. Cool. <laughs> it's all in Plato, which is again, that's just one of Professor C.S. Lewis's little hooks, where um, where he's like giving a clue to the kids who are reading it that like yeah plato is awesome you should read plato and all that stuff that Check is out, a little kids. heavy handed yeah that's right a little but light yeah. reading for you mm-hmm. pick up some plato yeah absolutely and kids are like i love plato that's right <laughs> plato it is all in plato make spaghetti all sorts of stuff so um at that point and maybe we should wrap it up for this episode and come back for a part two you think part three or part three, I part guess. Part two of the synopsis. Yeah, part, that's right. I think I think that would work. I think. Yeah. But we promise, listeners, after my super long introduction and check-in, yep. uh, we will get straight to where we left off this time. That's right. Straight, straight to where to we it. left off. So they're so, yes. all about to go back into Narnia when we come back, right? That's right. So, okay. yeah, where we'll leave off is they have all just, they've sort of decided to, they don't think that... Um, Edmund is a good guy. Yeah. They don't believe Peter and Susan. They don't believe Lucy, but they're just leaving her alone and like being like, Edmund, you're being a jerk for like rubbing it into her face that she's childish and making up stories. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at some point they end up all in the same room together when Mrs. McCready, the housekeeper, has guests touring this old house that has a bunch of cool tapestries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're running away from her and they go... To hide dun, in the wardrobe. So we'll come back there next time and we'll talk about the rest of the amazing theology mm-hmm. and uh, metaphysics that Ooh, are snap. Uh, in- encompassed Ooh. in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Would you like to try to relatively quickly tackle a question? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to hold you to five minutes. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one to answer in five minutes. I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to set this a is, timer. This is a follow up. From our friend Sam. Okay. She's, oh, great. I'm going to... Did gonna, she listen to the... I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'll ask her. Great. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit because she was texting and it doesn't make sense. But, mm. <laughs> uh, can God and other gods coexist? Like other religions, mm. like Buddhism or Hinduism with multiple gods? Yeah. Or is it only him? That's a really good question. Five minutes on the clock. Oh, here we go. So, um, <laughs> one, like it stump. Yeah, the I know. Stumped priest. it. <laughs> uh, so yes and no, there's really two questions in there. So can religions, uh, coexist? Uh, it does the fact that we believe Christianity is true. Does that mean every other religion yeah. is just completely Jesus untrue? Is the way, the truth and the life. Right. Yeah, so. And like, yeah, we affirm that mm-hmm. Jesus is the way, the truth and life. Well, what does that mean about Buddhism? What does that mean about Judaism, which was like where yeah, we came right? from or <laughs> Islam and all this stuff? Uh-huh. Um, I think I would say, right, like things are not quite so clear cut. In fact, going back to C.S. Lewis, uh, one of the artifacts of this weird society that we live in that is unlike any other society in the history of humanity is that we like to chop things up into little boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the little box for material reality and then spiritual reality. And sometimes we, they just coexist. Sometimes people prefer one over the other, like a spiritualist who thinks everything ought to be spiritual and who cares about the material 
or a Gnostic or a deist or an atheist materialist who thinks it's only reality. But classically, this is all mixed up for us. So one of those big divisions is religious and secular. So we think about like sort of like politics and economics and, you know, what you do for a living, what you do with your body even as secular. And then sort of what you believe about, you know, metaphysics or God is like religious. Um, so one thing is like Christianity, it predates this division and it's bigger than that. So even when we talk about separate religions, when whereas in modern society, we kind of think of it as like, well, you know, you have your box of like, what political party are you? You know, like Democrat or Republican or Independent or, you know, like one of those Green Party or something, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, and that goes in that. And then it's like, what religion are you? Are you Islam? Are you Christian? Are you Episcopalian? You know, like, what is it? Um, that's not really true. Religions are not nearly as separate as we think or as or, or as the same as we think. People yeah. tend to think about either like in two ways, either Every religion is totally distinct from every other religion. Uh, that's a, called an essentialist view. Mm -hmm. And then there's the view that is very common sort of in American culture right now, which is universalism, which is like every religion is just a different flavor of the same thing. Okay. So it's just different ways of getting to the same thing. So like, you know, we say Jesus, you say Allah, you know, like it's all the same God. Now, neither of those are true. Neither of those are, I think, are, I mean, just on the face, are factual, both of those are factually mm -hmm. inaccurate. So we would say, from a Christian perspective, right, we do believe that Christianity is true. Now, that doesn't mean that everything every Christian has ever said is true, mm -hmm. but we do believe, like, the core doctrine, the sort of uh, orthodox faith handed on from Christ to the apostles and down through the ages um, is the truth, you know, like, and a way... The, the way that God wants us to come to God and all that kind of stuff. And we would say, like, we want every single human being to be a Christian. Like, right. we wouldn't say, like, oh, well, if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, but you're a Buddhist, like, don't worry about it. Just stay a Buddhist. You're, you'll get to the same place. <laughs> right? Because as we look at, say, Christianity and Buddhism, while there's great overlap, like, there are things that are, are very similar. Sure. And we would say those are the workings of God in that, you know, like mm -hmm. when, when we look around at Islam at, um, at sort of at like, um, at Hinduism and all the gods, like we can see, uh -huh. we believe that God created all human beings that the Holy spirit is working through all human beings to the degree that we like that, that we want to all human beings are responding to God and trying to, um, find God in some way or another. Uh, and so there's something in everything, every human expression, even like terrible ones. You can look at like, you know, the like Mayan religions with human sacrifice, stuff like that. Obviously not the human sacrifice part, but parts of it, we would be able to see <laughs> the logos. We should, we should bring it work. Back. Yeah, we that's should. right. <laughs> um, but that said, we would also say we're like things, just as we would say in Christianity, right? We look at ourselves and we say there are things in our lives, in our churches that are not consistent with what we believe, with what Christ is teaching us. Five right? seconds. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm almost there, though. Uh, close. So, uh, close. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but we would also look at other religions and, and say the same thing. You know, like there are certainly things that we would critique 
um, from a Christian perspective. Now, ultimately, we wouldn't hold necessarily even like hold that against someone who hadn't even heard the gospel. But we would say um, Christ, just in the same way that Christ fulfills and perfects uh, the 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 religion that uh, again, even using that word, but like the covenant that God made with the Jews, right? And expands it and opens it up so the Gentiles can participate in it. Like all of that was ultimately pointing to Christ, we believe. And it's not like it goes away. It's fulfilled. All the goodness is uh, uh, exemplified, brought out even more when Christ arrives. He, He is the light that was shining through all of those ages. We would say the same thing about all human traditions and cultures like when you add christ in that's when you can start to see like how has christ not just like oh yay we're christians now forget about all our cultural practices it's like no as we saw christianity move through europe through africa you know like people didn't just like stop being african or european or french or whatever i mean it was pre-french gaulish (laughs) they they started seeing the way Christ had been working in their culture and with their ancestors for, for a long, long time. So that's one thing to say. It's not quite as simple as like either Christianity is true or this is true. Like we would say, yes, Christianity is true. The doctrines and dogmas are true. But you also see uh, truths that are very true in other religions and sorting those out is not as simple as like this or that. The last thing is, can God and God's coexist? Um, one is like, we wouldn't say that, that, um, that all the things created or, or that are considered that are worshiped by people just don't actually exist. Uh, St. Paul, like in the early, in the new Testament and in, in the old Testament too, they talk a lot about the gods that are worshiped by other, um, other, uh, tribe and actually by israelites too they get you know right they did a lot of that themselves um and so do so did christians uh, early on there too like falling back to paganism (laughs) and so there was there was it would it depended on the situation so like in some cases uh you know scripture talks about like they're worshiping created things you know the problem isn't that the thing they're worshiping doesn't exist like maybe they're worshiping the ocean it's like well the ocean exists and the ocean has a spiritual reality too right Mm -hmm. like we've been talking about here it's not just a material reality but the problem is you shouldn't be worshiping the created thing worship the creator Ah. of the created thing so it's not that even like there isn't like an angel of the ocean a spiritual being of the ocean or even a god of the ocean um you could call it a lowercase g god in the old testament angel son of god you know like spiritual being it's all interchangeable back then they they weren't like we're monotheists so we only believe in the existence of one god (laughs) that's an 1800s concept projected back Mm -hmm. on it um, no. So like the world is full of spiritual beings. Sometimes people worship things of their own creation. So worship of idols mm-hmm. is like that. Um, and sometimes, um, sometimes there are sort of demonic or negative spiritual entities, entities that masquerade as positive spiritual realities to draw worship away from God or, and, and to corrupt people's minds. So 
again, it would be a case by case basis to look at sort of the practices of any particular religious tradition or whatever, like in, in paganism, um, like go back to ancient paganism. It seemed like Paul and Peter and the writers of the New Testament and the or the church fathers, the early church writers, they considered it sort of a mixture of all of them. Sometimes people were just like literally they made an idol and they worshiped it, you know, like humans want to worship things. We need to put something in the center of our lives. So they just like make a little idol and be like, okay, you give me food idol and I worship you. And it's (laughs) like, okay, well the problem there is uh, you made that up, (laughs) you know, that's a made up thing. You're just projecting yourself onto something and then worshiping it. The problem with other things is there are deceptive spiritual entities. Mm -hmm. Like there are demons who like, want to like pretend like they're worthy of worship and draw worship away from God. And then there are, is the worship of like, you could worship the sun, right? There are people who worship the sun. Mm-hmm. It's not that the sun's bad or the sun's a demon. It's just like, don't worship the sun. <laughs> the sun is a symbol mm-hmm. that points to the creator of all things, the light that enlightens all of our lives. And so like raise up your worship to, uh, to its proper place, which is, which is God. If that makes sense. And I could go into more detail if you have more specific questions, Sam, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like this particular religion. But like in a general sense, that's how we look at it. Sometimes that's confusing to people because we think of religion as a checkbox. And it's like, well, if I don't check this box, then I have to check this box. But it's not an all or nothing thing. There's something in every religious tradition um, that is... That, that is good, that speaks of, because it's, they're all made by humans and all humans are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So you could, I could look at like the Satanist manifesto or whatever. And like, again, I don't want to promote <laughs> Satanism. Let me be clear. But like, you'll see things that are strivings that we would recognize as strivings for love and justice. I would just say, well, that's contradictory to the worship of Satan. <laughs> like right. that would be a confusion. Uh, and, I would probably say, you know, like that's like a deliberate sort of spiritual deception, Mm -hmm. confusion type thing, you know, not on the part of the humans necessarily, maybe some of them, but, but there is a reality that wants to confuse our desires for God and place them somewhere other than God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. uh, 11 and a half minutes. You almost did it. (laughs) I, I was using metric minutes. Oh, which are, those, yeah. those British minutes. It's, it's four, it's three eighths of a minute <laughs> of a, of an imperial minute. So if that math checks out, I'm going to be pretty impressed. I think it might. <laughs> I think I might've been five minutes by that math. Oh man. Well, yeah. I think, uh, I think we're done. Awesome. Yeah. We did it. So send us another question, folks. Yeah, because, stump this uh, priest. We got to stump this guy. Yeah. Because he can talk, man. <sighs> yeah. And time bad. flies when That's you're right. explaining theology. That's yes. what I've always said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big time. Big time. So, guys, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll like, be back subscribe, in the... rate, review. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We will wrap next it up. Next time. Absolutely. Probably. Thanks for making it through this one. Yes. <laughs> and to the people I belittled at the beginning, if you're still listening. I'm not sorry. That's okay. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks, as always. You're the best... I'm Matt Kitchen. And I'm Father Eric. And this is After After the the Likeness. likeness. (laughs) Bye.